What's up? Welcome to Church Online. Yo, this is crazy. I see faces, not just lenses. I'm surrounded by people, not just cameras, and I'm so pumped right now. My extroverted personality is on cloud nine, and we're about to take it to the third heaven. Y'all ready? Come on, somebody. <laughs> um, hey, if you're just tuning in, I'm sure you're like, where are we? Whose house is this? What am I even watching right now? We got to thinking in this season, so many people are watching church in their house, like you probably are right now. Matter of fact, if you're watching church in your house, snap a pic of your house church setup, upload it to the social medias, tag Stoke Creek Church in it, and the best house church setup is gonna win an epic gift, all right? We wanna see who's doing house church right. Tag us, send them in. But we got to thinking, what if we filmed church in a house because you're watching church in a house? Could it make it feel like this house this church, our church, is a little more like a family. And man, we hope it does today. If nothing else, I just think it's gonna help me preach better, okay? Um, we've got our Corona crew here today. Let me hear you make some noise. Where you at? We got a group of friends and staff members and family who are gonna help set the pace for us. They're gonna engage right here. You engage in the comment section. Let's see some amens, some come ons, some retweets, some you better preach. Any of y'all watch The Voice? Any of y'all watch The Voice? Yeah. The Voice is like my favorite TV show. And like when a uh, contestant is just killing it, just slaying a song, you'll hear him say, you better sing, right? My favorite is when Kelly Clarkson or Jennifer Hudson like takes off her shoe and throws it at the contestant. Ultimate compliment. So if I could get somebody to just drop a little high heel emoji in the comment section today, there it is. I know, I know I'm doing my job. Keep them coming, baby, keep them coming. So today's gonna be awesome. I'm so pumped to be able to bring the word, but y'all lean in, take notes, blow the chat up, share this service as we, as we dive into God's word today. Y'all ready? Yeah, let's go. All right, today we continue a collection of talks titled How to Survive a Train Wreck. What great imagery for 2020. A train wreck, COVID-19, Dow drops 3,000 points, race riots, political division, cars full of bad news just keep on coming. 2020 is like the little engine that couldn't, okay? We wanna help give you rails to run on in this season, rails to help you make it through this train wreck that you've been living in. If ever there was a biblical character who is like the personification of a walking, talking train wreck, it's Peter. The apostle Peter was a guy who knew how to find him some trouble. Peter's whole life just felt, feels a bit off the rails. Like dude knew how to get in over his head, but he also had an uncanny ability of get, for getting out, which makes him a perfect candidate to help us survive the train wrecks in our lives today. Hey, if you have a Bible, 1 Peter chapter four, 1 Peter chapter four, we're gonna pick it up in verse seven. And I just want for you guys to look at how Peter starts this section of his letter that he wrote 2000 years ago. Y'all ready for this? Peter writes, he says, the end of all things is at hand. Can you say train wreck? <laughs> The end of all things is at hand. And it feels like Peter's living in a train wreck. And in fact, he and the churches that he's writing to are in the middle of a train wreck. Quick history lesson, okay? In AD 64, the city of Rome burns to the ground. Now, many Romans believed that their emperor, Nero, purposefully set the city on fire because he had this insatiable desire to build and to build and to build. And in order to build anymore, he had to burn it down. So Rome was devastated. The people were homeless and they were hopeless. Hundreds died. And so Roman resentment is real. Roman frustration is 
right there. And it's intense and it's aimed at Nero. So Nero realized that he needed to redirect this hostility. His scapegoat of choice, Christians. Nero starts to spread word that Christians started the fires. And so intense, barbaric, brutal persecution begins to rise against the church all throughout the Roman Empire. It was so intense that Peter, when he writes this letter, he says, I'm writing to you from Babylon. Now, many theologians and scholars believe that Babylon is being used as this code word for Rome. Okay, so Babylon in the Old Testament is the great wicked city. Rome is the great wicked city of the New Testament. And Peter calls Rome a Babylon so that if his letter to these churches gets hijacked by Roman persecutors, they won't know that Peter is a leader in the church secretly in Rome, go looking for him and kill him. Train wreck. Things continue to intensify. Cars keep piling up for Peter in these churches over the next six years, reaching a breaking point when Rome overthrows Jerusalem and destroys the Jewish temple in AD 70, one of the most significant events of the first century. And this is happening right as Peter's writing this letter, an act that some would say was retaliation for the Roman fires, train wreck. And it's in the middle of this train wreck that Peter writes to these churches, to these young churches, still trying to pick up a head of steam in their early days. And this is what he says. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers above all. I want for you to highlight that, underline it, circle it, above all. Keep loving one another earnestly. Man, highlight that, underline it. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another. Underline that, one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. There it is again, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. I wanna preach a message for you guys today titled, The Crew You Keep. The Crew You Keep. Hey, you need to know that the crew you keep keep train wrecks from wrecking you. Train wrecks are coming. The question is whether or not your life and your marriage and your finances and your future are going to come off the rails when they do. Come on, somebody. Paul says like the end of all things is at hand. A train wreck is here. And then he talks about one anothering, peopling. He talks about relationships, friendships, community, the crew you keep. Literally, he's like, hey, clear your mind so you can pray and find you some people. Why? Because the crew you keep, the crew you choose puts you on the road to you. The crew that you choose is gonna put you on the road to you. The company that you keep, the community in your life, the friends that you pick are going to create and contribute to the kind of person you will become. The moms you're hanging with, newsflash, they're the moms you're becoming. Let that sink in. The leaders you're around, they're the leaders you're becoming. The friends you're around are the friends you are becoming. The Christians around are the Christians you, you are becoming. You, you've probably heard phrases like this before. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me who you've surrounded yourself with and I will show you who you are going to become. 
You've probably heard that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. You're the average wealth, you're the average success, average wisdom, average spiritual maturity of the people you are around because you are morphing into them, which is extremely important because if we know that train wrecks are coming, then we want to become the kind of people who can withstand them when they do. Hey, cute coffee cup verse. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Now, read that verse again, but realize that we are at war. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Do you know when I care how sharp I am? When I realize that I am at war in this world. Hey, Christian, wake up. You are at war. Fighting a war for joy, a war for belief, a war for obedience, a war for faith, a war for your family. You are at war against letting the temporary rob you of the eternal. A war against complacency, a war against apathy, a war against division. Wake up. A war against depression and defeat. There is an enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and train wreck your life. I care about how strong the infrastructing iron of my life is when I know with certainty that the train is wrecking. And Jesus promised, as Stephen brought the word last week, that the storm is coming, the train is wrecking. That's not in question. Hello, 2020. The question is whether or not your iron has been strengthened and sharpened by iron that can hold up when it does. The materials I am made of are the men and women I surround myself with. The materials I'm made of are the men and women in my life. Relationships are your greatest resource. This is what Peter is saying. You know what to stockpile in your fallout shelter? You know what you want when the end of the world is near? You know what you want to load up in the train cars of your life? Not money or skills or cars or food. The right relationships. A crew. It should be a mind-blowing revelation, a call to evaluation that the strength of your parenting is the people in your life. And the plot thickens when you realize that not only is the crew you choose putting you on the road to you, but the crew you choose is who's going to be on the train when it comes off the rails. Like, have you picked the right foxhole partner? If I know that the train is crashing, it's not all aboard. It's, can I see your quiet time journal? Like, what what prayers have you been praying? How well do you know the word of God? What problems can you solve? Those are the questions that I'm asking. Now, I'm not talking about being picky with who we love. I'm talking about being intentional with who we let in. Who we allow to shape our life, have our back, stand shoulder to shoulder with as we fight this war. So I've been studying trains lately, which surprisingly isn't the nerdiest thing I've said this week, but... Um, Interestingly enough, in the train world, one of the biggest topics of debate over the last five years has been the size of the crew. Like we're talking government regulations, laws being fought over to implement requirements where it would be illegal to operate a train with only one crew member. Topic of great debate. Regardless of technology and automation, there is this strongly held belief within the locomotive community that There needs to be a multi-man crew aboard to effectively operate a train and to best prevent a train wreck. So it got me researching and I found this really interesting document. Y'all are gonna think I'm so nerdy, okay? This document is the Pennsylvania Railroad's Rules for Conducting Transportation. 
No, this is not a Monopoly rules excerpt. Okay, this is real. I found it online. Um, it went into effect on October 28th, 1956. And this document outlines the crew members needed to effectively operate a train. And I think that there are some pretty profound parallels between the kind of crew that you need aboard a literal train and the kind of crew that you want in your life. So we all know Ecclesiastes 4 says that two are better than one and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so what I want to give you are three crew members that should be aboard, that, that would be aboard a literal train to show you the three relationships that you need aboard your life to help you survive train wrecks. And I don't want to muddy the waters of this illustration too much, but I also think that these are representative of the kind of characteristics you're looking for in every crew member you keep in your life. So you may have three friends who represent these individually, or you may surround yourself with people who have all three of these characteristics. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with that? Okay. All right. So the first one is the conductor. Let me hear you say conductor. Conductor. All right. Someone drop a train emoji in the comment section right now. The conductor is the boss of the crew. Hey, write this down. You need someone who is leading you. You need someone who is leading you. You want a crew that leads you. Like if you look around at your life and no one is directing, no one is pushing, no one is charging, no one is driving other than you, you're in trouble. If no one is driving, the train is coming off the tracks and Jesus might not take the wheel. Sorry, Gary Underwood, okay? Like, let me tell you something. I didn't get here by myself. I'm not a self-made man. A village put this thing together. I don't have all the answers. I've got advisors. I can get anxious, but I've got advocates. I hear lies. I've got truth tellers. I've got people in my life who are leading me, conducting, directing, pointing me in a direction. Yo, if you're the smartest person in your room, get a new room. We should try and surround ourselves with people who are so godly that they embarrass us. Um, 1 Peter 4 says this, it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You need people that got a grace you didn't get, who intimidate you, who seem like they live in another dimension of discipline, who speak a language that feels foreign. They make you study, stay up late, ask the tough questions, think about things different. They bleed boldness, make you wake up, want and wisdom, provide new perspective. Find someone who creates in you an aspiration for imitation. Like, are you looking at your crew thinking, I wanna be like them? Like not in a comparing way, but in a convicting way. Like we're so prone to choose friendships with people who don't challenge us or lead us, but keep us comfy because they provide the illusion of safety, which causes us to fall asleep at the wheel and then we never see the train wreck coming. Stop surrounding yourself with people who make you feel good. Find people that will make you be better. Get a crew you wanna be like. One of my favorite stories in scripture is in a, the book of Acts. In Acts, um, there's this story in Acts 19 of the seven sons of Sceva, okay? And it's wild. You've got these itinerant Jewish exorcists, which means people who are traveling around casting demons out of people for money. Hot career choice in the first century, okay? Um, and so these seven sons of Sceva come up to a man that is possessed by a demon, and they say, in the name of Jesus, who Paul proclaims, we command you to come out of this man and the demon talks back, which I just love. I love the demon's like, whoa, time out. And the demon says, time out. Jesus I know, 
and Paul I've heard of, but who are you? I want the kind of friends who evil knows their name. Get some friends like that. Get a crew who have fought some wars, who've battled their demons, who've handled some train wrecks and who've made it out the other side. If you want a life to be marked by a great journey, by adventure, by faith, then you need someone who can scale the mountains and lead you through the valleys. And it's probably not your best friend, Carl, from band camp, okay? You need somebody with a little wisdom. You need friends that elevate your life, elevate your every day. You need friends that make you want to know Jesus more. Where you go, I want to know Jesus like them. I want to know the Jesus that they know. Like friendship with God, it's not a game, okay? Friendship with God is not a game, but most people have no category in their minds for what that would even look like to know God as a friend. I want friends like Enoch who go on walks with God and invite me to join the journey. Right relationships are the greatest fuel for your faith, for a kind of fiery faith that keeps moving forward in the midst of a train wreck. Your crew is the coal of your belief. You're hungry because no one's feeding you. You feel lost because you have no direction. 2020 feels scary because you have no vision, no leadership, no conductor aboard your crew. But you don't just need a conductor. You need somebody who's leading you, but you also need somebody else. You you need a train man. Let me hear you say train men. The train man handles all sorts of interesting things aboard a locomotive. The train man handles throwing switches, coupling and uncoupling cars and engines, setting and releasing handbrakes when cars are set out or picked up. They keep a lookout for potential hazards on the train itself. They're responsible for the caboose indication markers or the electric end of train device. They also have a responsibility for protecting the train, which means flagging behind and ahead whenever the train is exposed to collision. Um, the train man is in the nitty gritty. Write this down. You need someone who is with you and for you. You need someone who is with you and for you. The conductor leads you. The train man is with you and for you. You're never going to be able to be David until you find your Jonathan. Family, they'd be like, "Ah, I got to love you, right? I got no choice. Friends choose to love you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. This is the story of King David and Jonathan, not out of obligation, but out of devotion. You might need some friends who can heal where families fail, who will speak over you what families never said to you, who believe in you and who you are and who are devoted to serve you sacrificially. Hey, friend pro tip right now, okay, friend pro tip. Service and sacrifice speed up connection. You want to get close to someone? Serve, sacrifice, give, lay down your life for them. First Peter uh, chapter four, verse nine, it says, it says it like this. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 11, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. You need a crew that will serve you in ways that seem impossible in and of themselves, in human strength, who bend over backwards, willing to do the dirty work that might not be able to give you an answer or a paycheck or a formula, but they'll be your friend. Like, I got friends that helped pay for college when I couldn't afford it. I got friends that let me preach when I was garbage. 
They saw what others couldn't see, were willing to be what I needed them to be. Get a crew who weeps when you weep, rejoices when you rejoice, who will paint your house and be there on moving day. Hey, be extremely careful who you tell your dreams to. If I told you the vision that I have for what I believe God is gonna do with my life, you might laugh at me, but I got a group of guys I got a crew in my corner who prays things over me and speaks things over me that are beyond what I can even believe for myself. Some armor bearers, some guys who will take an arrow so I don't have to, who will carry things so I can use this, my strength on something else. Now, be careful because you don't want people who are just along for the ride. You know you got some friends who are just along for the ride. They weigh you down cause things to come off the rails. If everyone in your life is a taker, a train wreck is coming. If you have vision, direction, passion, there are gonna be some people who pretend to be your train men, but they're just disguised as a train wreck. You need a crew who won't allow your dream to be held hostage by someone else's ego. You might have some people in your crew who aren't for you, they're for themselves. You notice how careful Jesus is about who he lets get close to him? who he lets access him. I mean, he feeds the 5,000. He lays hands on the 70. He teaches the 12, but he only lets in three. You see, the higher you go, the smaller your circle gets. You need to know your three. You wanna know your three? It's those who stay. Jesus has this crazy teaching moment in the gospels where he says to the crowds, hey, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And crowds begin to head for the exits. They're like, we're out of here. Want nothing to do with this guy. Jesus turns to Peter and he says, are you gonna leave me too? Peter says to Jesus, where else can we go? You have the words of life. You need a crew who's down with you when it gets crazy. That's what you need. You need a trainman, somebody who is with you and somebody who is for you. But you need someone else. You need an engineer. Let me hear you say engineer. Engineer. So veteran railroaders say that anybody can run an engine, but it's running a train that takes real skill and experience. The engineer knows how the train works. He must manage not only the power of his locomotive, but also the coupler stack, momentum, and braking of all the cars coupled behind it. He controls the automatic air brakes on each car of the train by reducing pressure in the train's brake pipe. He's got to factor in grades, curves, speed, a task requiring very fine judgment and ex expert internal understanding. Hey, write this down. You need someone who knows you inside and out. You need someone who knows you inside and out. A conductor leads you, a trainman is with you and for you, and an engineer knows you inside and out. Honesty determines the depth of relationship. Transparency, vulnerability, authenticity. What we struggle to do is find the kind of relationships that are ever real enough, that are ever honest enough, ever deep enough to actually be helpful to be 99% known and 1% unknown is to be unknown, wow. which makes you vulnerable to train wreck. You got some leaky pipes that no one knows about. You got some motivations you've never talked about. 
You're wrestling with demons all by yourself. You got secrets. You're wearing masks, pretending, playing a game and won't let anyone in. The train wreck is coming. You need someone who knows you, really knows you, who asks the tough questions, who gets into your intentions, who knows your drivers, who knows your potential to succeed and your potential to fail. A friend who knows you, a friend who like really knows you, feels like freedom, where you can just be. You don't have to be on, you can just be. You see, to be known, don't miss this, to be known is to be loved. And there are no limits to what a loved person can do. There are no limits to what a loved person can do. This is why Peter, in 1 Peter, he says this, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Above all, keep loving. You wanna be able to survive the train wreck of sin? the train wreck of temptation, the train wreck of idolatry, of laziness, of unbelief, of materialism, of gossip, of an affair, you name it. Find a crew that really loves you, like really loves you, who loves who you are and who loves who you're becoming, who's okay with what's not okay in you, but who's not okay with you not getting okay who wants you operating on all cylinders like an engineer, who knows the fuel you need to keep going, who can speak your love language, who can honor you, breathe life in you, restore what the locusts have stolen, who can make you laugh and help you cry when you need it and don't even know it. An engineer, they know the fuel you need for your soul. Negative emotion is not the fuel that we think it is. Everybody's like, haters are gonna hate. Like, I got this, I'm gonna do me. No, 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 no. When you got doubters in your circle, get a new circle. You need cheerleaders, coaches, teammates, not rivals. The jokes you speak over your friends becomes the story they tell themselves. You know that, right? Wow, yeah. Find you some potential people who don't push you down, but who call you out. Who say, I know you have more gas in the tank, I know you can go a little faster. I know you can make it up that hill. I know you're coming out of this valley. Like when a, when a train is crashing, there are all sorts of indicators that start to fire, right? The brake, the horn, the gas, all these things are controlled by the engineer. He knows what's going on on the inside of the train and what it's gonna take to slow down. You need a friend who will pull the brake on your life when you get going faster than you're supposed to and things are getting out of control. You need a crew who knows how to push you, who knows how to say to you, you're about to get going so fast that you're not gonna be able to slow down. When life is coming off the rails, you need relationships that will help redirect. You need encouragement and rebuke, celebration and challenge. You need engineers who know you, who make you feel loved and encouraged and believed in, who push your buttons and say what no one else will say, both positive and negative. People who will get in your grill and get in your heart, who make you feel understood. These are hard people to find, but these are people who are worth looking for. These are people who are worth forging. You know, the heartbeat of God is relationship. God is triune, three in one, Father, Spirit, and Son. What a beautiful doctrine, what a beautiful theology that at his core of his very essence, God is friend. 
out of this essence, he creates us in his image as relational beings designed for connection. You were forged in friendship, crafted for companionship. But realize this, that friendships aren't generally found. They are forged. God looks around and he finds no suitable helper for Adam. So he makes one, forges one, crafts one, Eve. Crews are more created than curated. Some of you need to stop focusing on making friends and, or, or stop focusing on finding friends and start focusing on making friends. One of the reasons that I titled this message, The Crew You Keep, is because some of you got some crew members you don't need to keep. Some of y'all need to throw some crew from your train today. I wanna give somebody permission today to fire their best friend because they're actually your worst enemy. The quality of your friendships shape the security of your soul. If a person's presence is a source of your anxiety, it's time to look for the exit. One of the most, I I, I love what, um, what Henry Nouwen says. He says, one of the most expensive things you can do is pay attention to the wrong people. Like, like, let me quote the great prophet Britney Spears. That girl is toxic, okay? <laughs> she is toxic. That girl is toxic. Like, you can't see it, but I can smell it, okay? She is toxic. So I researched all these different train wrecks, right, throughout history, different ways that train wrecks, train accidents have occurred. And one of the most mind-blowing ones happened in southern Italy in um, March of 1944, and it caused the death of 520 people, making it the worst train disaster in the country's history. Here's what happened. The low quality coal that was used on this train created poisonous carbon monoxide, which led to the death of all the passengers. The passengers in the crew failed to notice the danger as the smoke and fumes spread slowly. Some people in the last few cars survived as they escaped before the poisonous gas reached the end of the cars. I know you've been friends for a long time, but they are killing you slowly. The quality of your crew speaks to the significance of your mission. You know, they don't send a Navy SEALs to rescue kittens from trees, right? (laughs) If you wanna live a life where you slay giants, where you fight against injustice, where you conquer for the kingdom, then you need a crew that can step into the battle with you. You know, one of the greatest train wrecks in the Bible is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found in Daniel chapter three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are advisors in Babylon. Y'all remember Babylon way back at the beginning of the message? Come a full circle right now, okay. And um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in places of prestige and influence in Babylon. Life is going well. But then a train wreck hits in the form of a massive idol set up by King Nebuchadnezzar. Sets it up in the middle of the city and it starts to disrupt life as people know it. Normal gets thrown out the window because the king commands that everyone stop their life, put everything on hold and kneel to worship this massive idol every time the music is played. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego don't kneel, won't kneel, refuse to kneel. They're given a chance to to be brought before the king and they're either gonna kneel or they're gonna be thrown into a blazing, fiery furnace. And this is what they say. They say, we believe. It's so interesting. It doesn't say that Shadrach says it. It doesn't say that Meshach says it. It doesn't say that Abednego says it. It says, we believe that our God 
can save us from this fiery furnace. But even if he does not, we will not bow down and worship the image you have set up. They don't kneel. The heat gets turned up to seven. They are bound together and thrown into the fire. Train wreck, train wreck for the people of God. Established in the middle of the world, meant to be a light in such great darkness, but now it's burning to the ground. Or so it seems. The king and his men look into the furnace and they don't see three men, but they see four walking around unbound and unharmed. They survived. They survived the train wreck. And this is the question that I wanna ask is would Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been able to stand in the furnace alone? We don't know, but we know that God didn't ask them to. And he hasn't, and he hasn't asked you to either. The moments we see Jesus the clearest is when we lean on each other the most. We need each other to see Jesus show up in extraordinary fourth person kind of ways. We need each other so desperately, so beyond what we could even begin to imagine. We need a crew that we keep to survive the train wrecks of life. You know, one of my favorite titles for Jesus is interestingly not given to him by his friends, but by his enemies. In Matthew 11, Jesus is called the friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend to those of you who are in a train wreck right now. Your life might be coming off the rails. You might be looking around and finding no one to help you. I got good news. He is the one, the one who sticks closer than a brother, who laid down his life to show you there is no greater love, who can lead you in paths of righteousness, who has been tempted in every way, but without sin, so he can empathize with you and for your pain. He became flesh to be with you and his flesh was ripped apart to show you that he is for you. He dies like Jonathan, Jonathan so you can love God like David. He's gone to prepare a place for you full of heavenly hospitality and his love for you has no limits. It's height, depth, breadth is beyond measure. There's no angel or demon or principality or train wreck that can separate you from it. And if his love is without limits, then there are no limits to the train wreck his love can pull you out of. Trust Jesus today, follow Jesus today, surrender to Jesus today. He is the crew you need to keep. If you've never followed him, if you've never trusted him, if you've never known him, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just say, Jesus, I need you. My life has been a train wreck. It feels like it's coming off the rails. Sin has sabotaged. Temptation has won. And I need to surrender. I need a new crew. I need new friendship. I need new life. I need you, Jesus. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that he survived the greatest train wreck that has ever been, then we will be saved. So if that's you and you wanna do that tonight or today or this morning or wherever you are, whatever time you're watching this and you just want Jesus to step into your life and situation, just say this, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're God. I believe you paid my debt. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again from the grave and I want you to be a part of my crew. I need you to be in my life, by my side. I can't do this thing without you. 
If that was you, if you raised your hand right now, then the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit came to live in you. You are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And we wanna celebrate with you. So drop a hand emoji in the comment section. People are gonna be cheering you on, celebrating what God has done in your life. Everything is getting ready to change because Jesus stepped into your situation, because He became your friend, because He became a part of your crew. We wanna close out our service today by spending some time worshiping together and remembering the God who is with us in the midst of the train wreck. I invite you to stand and worship today.